This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Digital transformation is all the rage these days, but it's not just about the technology, it's also very personal. So here to talk about digital transformation and also why self-transformation is a critical part of that process are Ganesh Ayar, who is CEO of Ephesus, and Warden Professor Tyler Rye. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So let's start with defining what is digital transformation. What does that look like on a firm level? So maybe I will uh, go first. Uh, this is Ganesh Ayer. Thank you for uh, doing this podcast. Um, if you look at digital transformation, there are many technological elements which can be clubbed as digital. But that doesn't make an, uh, an enterprise as digital enterprise just because you're using those technological elements. They are enablers. But you really need to embrace the culture, the mindset, how you approach business of a digital enterprise. When we analyzed uh, digital enterprises, two qualities stood out. One is continuous innovation or a culture of experimentation, if I may. Second that stood out was speed. Everything was done in you know 5x, 10x, 50x speed. So if you look at these two attributes and uh, having the right culture, and those uh, technological elements probably make it into a digital enterprise. At least that's my perspective. Yeah, I, I agree 100% with that. I think it really is the intersection between the technology, which is the foundational piece, but certainly not sufficient to be a digital enterprise, and the speed of change. I mean, technology is changing at such a fast pace. If an organization implements a technology and calls itself digital, I mean, it's sort of missing the point. What you need to see, into Ganesh's point, is this commitment to ongoing change, to actually develop the capabilities to guide the organization through not just one change, uh, but ongoing changes over time as technologies change. And, and then you can start to have the conversation about this being a, a digital enterprise in, in a, a true sense. So how important is this concept of self-transformation to the process of digital transformation? And how do you change your old mental models, which have served you so well in the past? I think that's a great question. I think uh, really the personal piece is fundamental to any sort of digital transformation. Obviously in an organization, uh, the leader is going to be the person who guides the organization through any transformation. And if the leader hasn't transformed the way that they look at the world, it's going to be really hard to credibly lead these changes or to even understand what these changes need to look like. So <clears throat> this really involves being open to change. Uh, being receptive of new ways of learning, and being willing to butt up against uh, areas where you don't know things, to, to encounter the ignorance horizon where you just don't know anymore, and then not react out of fear, not feel threatened because you aren't the person in the room who knows the most, which is hard for some CEOs to do. I mean, you don't get to that position in an organization without having some, some confidence and some expertise and some willingness to make decisions. But if you aren't engaging with the right information and you're not open to transforming yourself, it's going to be really, really hard to drive these changes through the organization. So, so I think absolutely fundamental. And of course, this is something that's very easy to say and something that's much, much harder to do in practice. And I, and I think that Ganesh is actually 
one of the shining lights in terms of a CEO who's embraced this challenge and really is trying to transform himself in the process of transforming his organization. Um, thank you, Professor. If you look at um, CEOs of an analog enterprise, they have done something right. Uh, they have gone through the, the success ladder, if I may, and they have shaped themselves in a particular manner, which has made them uh, uh, kind of, that's how they become a CEO. Their mindset is shaped based on their successes. Their ego is uh, created based on their successes and their place in the society and in the business enterprise. Now suddenly there is a massive change which takes place where digital era comes in, you're leading an analog enterprise. And you ask this question, you go back to the definition that leaders cast their shadow on the organization. Can you change the organization without changing the shadow which is cast by the leader? That's the question which you're asking. How is that possible? It's not possible. So leaders have to self-transform. If you want to take an analog enterprise and make it successful in digital era, and you will have to go through the, the challenge of duality as well because you're not going to completely flick the switch and make it digital enterprise and forget your existing customers, your quarterly results, you're not going to dump your employees. So this duality would require adaptiveness, it would require change, self-transformation at leadership level, which starts with the CEO and CXOs all included. At least that's my perspective. Well, besides business leaders, who else should go through a self-transformation? <laughs> I guess investors. <laughs> I guess board. Um, because uh, I think the older concepts of how you measure successful organizations will have to take a back seat. So how you have measured organizational effectiveness, what kind of dashboards you look at uh, for lead and lag indicators, that changes. So I think this is, we are in the midst of a digital revolution and the earlier revolution took place in the 18th century. So many hundreds of years have passed between industrial revolution to now. There is nobody who can share with us the best practices of industrial revolution who is alive today, right? So in, all, in many ways, it has to be done where we are working day in, day out. And the whole ecosystem has to have a renewed look at how success is measured, uh, what are the ingredients of success, what are the good, what, who are the good leaders who can take us to success, and all of the above, if I may. And I'd just add to that, I think uh, you've covered most of everything there. But uh, in addition to transforming the leader, if you're going to guide the organization through change, uh, there's a, a really important piece to this, which is communicating the vision up and down the organization. Now, especially in an analog enterprise where people have their identities and their careers tied to the old way of doing things, this can feel very threatening. So there has to be some sort of an empathetic compassion to help foster the change in, in rank and file employees as well. And sometimes this might involve uh, some turnover. And of course, you don't want to be, you know, glib or unfeeling about how this takes place. But, you know, you need to transform not just the leader. It has to, you know, be embedded in the culture, and you have to get that transformation right down to the rank and file if you're actually going to implement the change and have it stick in the organization long term. One of the factors which um, I believe is the is a, is biggest obstacle in transformation like this is the fear of cannibalization. 
if you don't embrace cannibalization for all the good talk that we have about CEO transformation, self-transformation, organizational transformation, new set of strategy, new culture, you will stop in your track and you will not progress. We have got many, we have read so many case studies where iconic companies have fallen by the wayside and the challenge which they were confronted with was the, the fear of cannibalization or not embracing cannibalization because something which has been giving you revenue and profit suddenly is vanishing and something new is emerging. You are afraid to embrace new simply because you will cannibalize your existing revenue and profit. As a result, you don't change. You, uh, you're hanging on to the, this hoping that uh, this shall pass. It doesn't pass and the company dies. So if we develop this ability to handle cannibalization, I think that will help tremendously in transforming the company. And I think you bring up such a, a great point because I teach entrepreneurship. And what we teach in entrepreneurship is you need to experiment, you need to be adaptable, you need to be moving very fast. And in the context of a new venture, you can do this without a lot of risk. You know, you have some ego tied up into it, but probably not a lot of resources. Uh, there's not a lot of investors, customers. You don't have all of the relationships that an established business does. So when you're talking about a digital transformation in an analog industry, and this, this issue of cannibalization, there's an incredible amount of risk that gets layered onto these decisions when they're in established organizations versus small or startups. This is something that takes a lot of thought, and it's, it's a very, very challenging thing how you engage cannibalization in practice because you are risking existing relationships, you are risking existing business lines, revenue streams, uh, employees. And it's, it's a really, really tough challenge. And so I, I'm glad I get to sit back in a, a tower and sort of talk to guys like Ganesh who are doing this on the ground and don't actually uh, you know, have to engage in the work of doing it myself because it's, I mean, it, it's a really tricky thing. And Ganesh is absolutely right. If you're not willing to undertake that part of the journey, it, it's probably game over anyway. I'll tell you in my own industry, and I, this is my personal experience, Professor. Um, today, automation is getting injected big into IT services. And there is still a commercial model in place where we are paid based on time and material, which means, you know, number of people by multiplied by number of hours into their rate card is our revenue. The moment you introduce uh, automation, which improves productivity by 40%, what it means is your revenue can go down by 40%. What do you do? Can you stand still and tell your customer that, hey, we will continue with the old model. Maybe you can try, but your competition is not going to sit still. They are going to come and whack the daylight out of you. So what do you do? Do you go and proactively propose to your client? And that's the challenge which we are overcoming with an emphasis. So what we are trying to do is, we are encouraging our teams to go and make these proposals proactively. Because I have been asked this question, what are you going to do when the revenue drops? If there was a standard answer to that question, I would have found it by now. The, the point which I was, I'm trying to make within my own company is, I'm better off that I keep my customer than to allow my customer to go to my competition. Now, handling cannibalization or drop in revenue is something which I'll have to manage the investors and the board. That's easier managed because it is a, it's kind of, they will understand. Maybe they will whack me for doing that. 
But if I lose the customer, I have lost the customer forever. Yeah, and that's exactly right. And that's something that, that we've been talking about earlier is, you know, startups, when they come in, they're not just looking to eat away your revenue. They, they want to take the customer. And they're going to use data and analytics and everything at their disposal to own that relationship. So I think you're exactly right. I mean, the, the approach of keeping the customer, managing that relationship, and building a fortress around that, you know, the revenue stuff you're going to have to deal with, and there'll be, you know, some, I'm sure, discussions that will be interesting to have. But I think that's the exact right approach. So um, all of these things are great points that you raise, but it also assumes that there is a cultural uh, transformation that takes place. For a business leader to have the right vision, he or she needs followers to implement that vision. So what are some practical ideas in how companies can move the needle when it comes to cultural conversion or transformation? See, culture is used very loosely uh, across the globe. And it is probably the most important thing to, to have and most difficult to, to implement. Um, immersing the entire organization into a particular uh, cultural uh, elements is, is a long journey. It takes time and it requires tremendous commitment. It cannot be done overnight. Uh, so we have um, actually embraced four cultural cornerstones. One is culture of experimentation. Second is empowerment. Third is customer focus. And the last one is outcome focus. All four of them. And uh, we have been running immersion, immersion workshops. Um, we are um, kind of talking to existing set of employees. We are doing it with the board. We are doing it with new set of employees. But that doesn't mean that, that the culture has changed. Because all you are doing is it's like a classroom exercise. And let's talk about culture of experimentation. You go, uh, roughly about 18,000 employees in India. You look at the social psyche of India. In, in India, failure is shunned upon. Um, you know, academic excellence scores are compared almost on everyday basis. Here, you want to introduce culture of experimentation, which means you have to take out fear of failure. How do you do that? So I'm just highlighting that culture is, is, is a very, very important thing to do, but very, very difficult to execute. And if you want to compete effectively with uh, uh, pure play digital enterprises, culture is a huge area that you have to focus on. And I would love to hear your views, Professor. You know, this is one of these things, and you hit it right on the head, there, there's no magic bullet. I'm trying to change the culture, this is a slow-moving and very, very challenging thing to do because culture, like you said, it, it's not meetings, it's not communication, it's not the superficial things. Culture is rooted in the cognition and the day-to-day -day practices of the people in your organization. And there's a lot of momentum behind this. If people have been doing the same thing in the same way and believe that it's the right way, getting them to change and having that change stick is an extraordinarily difficult thing to do. And then, Ganesh, as you're saying, if you're a multinational enterprise, you layer different sorts of national cultural expectations on top of that. So this is really, really tough. So. In, the easy advice is be prepared for it to take a long time and for change to come in small waves. But other than that, it's just a matter of being very persistent. Modeling change at the top. You know, you're not going to have a cultural change unless you see that with the leadership of the organization. And if there's a concerted effort to communicate that to the employees uh, who are on the ground doing things. Well said. At what point does um, getting rid of somebody or firing an employee uh, 
becomes appropriate if they are very resistant to cultural change. And, um, and also if you want to replace the skill sets uh, among your staff to get the digital skills that you need. When is that appropriate? I may be sort of uh, not so uh, right in saying this, but I say it with, uh, with heavy responsibility. With the digital revolution sweeping the world, number of jobs available are going to be less across the world, which means we will see significant number of people who don't have employment. And as a CEO, it is my utmost responsibility that I take the entire organization along to the best of my ability towards success uh, and become culturally, um, socially responsible in this process. And I think it is over-amplified the power of CEOs firing employees. You have to do it with a uh, with lot of deep sense of, of uh, what shall I say, regret when you get to firing employees. Uh, you can't take that as an easy option. Uh, because, um, you know, if I'm changing myself, I have to start believing that others can change too. And you have to work hard to make them change. You can't say, oh, tomorrow if you don't change, I'm going to fire you. How many months did it take for me to go through self-transformation? And still I have idiosyncrasies which are, which are uh, personal and which I haven't managed to change yet. So if I have that as a deep recognition, um, you know, I would be deeply committed to my employees. And while firing is, uh, is an option which I have with me, I'll be very, very uh, careful and responsible in, and take that as a last resort. So how do you know if you're going in the right direction when it comes to digital transformation? How do you measure it? I'll tell you two measures that we are undertaking, and I don't know whether they are right or wrong, right? First measurement that we are undertaking is a um, very quantitative measure, which is, are we winning business in newer areas? Because these newer areas are growth areas, these newer areas are going to give the new uh, brand image for the company and there is there is uh, sustainability of that area. So that's a very quantitative measure. Second measure that we have uh, we are undertaking is am I in the path of relevance of my customers? I'm too small a company to think that I can change the market or I can transform and the market will change accordingly. I don't have that kind of brand image. So uh, my transformation we are linking it to the transformation which our customers are undertaking and when we are in the path of relevance of our customers then we are automatically transforming so it's a customer centric transformation approach that we are taking and we ask this question are you um, you know discussing with clients their transformation journey and what is your contribution in their transformation journey we are measuring the number of pitches number of hours that we are spending in those areas. So these are the two measures how we believe that uh, we will be successful in the future. I would love to hear your views, Professor. This is a this is a really, really interesting question because there's the old adage, what gets measured gets paid attention to. So the measures that you define, they end up having this feedback effect and that's what you pay attention to in the organization. So. As a fundamental principle, it's it's important to be really, really considerate about what you are measuring and how you are defining your impact. Now, you can define these outcomes at different levels, and I think it's important, like Ganesh said, to look at it 
you know, from the micro to the macro. And as you get to the macro, causality becomes much more fuzzy and hard to disentangle. But you can start to get some indication. And of, of course, noisy indicators are better than no indicators. Mm -hmm. So I think looking at the, you know, the most immediate indicators are the behavioral ones. Do you see behavioral change? Do you see sales? Do you see positive customer responses? And you can track that all the way up to more macro organizational performance outcomes. Uh, but this is, this is a big thing. When you're talking about something like a digital transformation, if you were just looking at something in terms of what does your bottom line, what does your balance sheet look like, that might be giving you a really, really skewed perspective. Because like we've been talking about, there may be short-term pain for this long-term gain. And so it's important to define clearly what you're looking at, have a very clear understanding of why you think the causality is working the way it is, and then try and communicate that as clearly as you can to the stakeholders you need to have buy-in on what you're doing. Because like I said, the metrics you define are going to define what gets paid attention to. So this whole system is something that really deserves a lot of thought and attention. I learned something new from you, Professor. Noisy indicators. I just love the idea and I, I think um, it's something which I'll take back to my drawing board. That I would rather have some noisy indicators rather than no indicators. That's a great one. Absolutely fabulous. So we've talked about the serious endeavor that is a digital transformation. But let's talk about the benefits of digital transformation. Why is it worth the effort? I mean, I, I think it's, it's not even up for debate. Do you have a choice? I mean, it's like, um, why is it good to breathe? <laughs> because you want to stay alive. I mean, it's as fundamental a question as uh, that. I mean, do we have a choice? Your competition, new breed of competitors, asymmetric competitors are going to take your customers away. If your customers start migrating, you're left with nothing. So I don't think it's, a, it's a, an academic pursuit as to whether we should focus on digital. This is the need of the hour and there is no choice. Either you will do it and do it successfully and take the company towards a bigger success. If you don't do it, then it's a matter of time and uh, you will uh, be referred to as a case study as to what shouldn't have been done. That's absolutely right. The wave is coming. There's no getting out of the way. It's only if you decide to surf it and go on that terrifying but thrilling trip as the wave pushes you or get crushed by it. I mean, there really is no other option. So, yeah, Ganesh, exactly right. You know, it's like breathing. You, you got to do it if you want to stay alive. And, you know, you can maybe eke out a company for you know, five, ten years in momentum, and then slowly you, you enter this land of the walking dead where you're, you know, a zombie company that's, you know, clunking along, but not really alive, yeah. not really in danger of doing much, uh, and then you, you'll slowly die. So, you know, it's important to, to see this coming, react to it, and, and try and get out in front of it. Very well put. With that, we'll wrap up our conversation, and thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so thank much. You. Appreciate it. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.